millions of people right now are struggling with sexual compulsion or addiction. It's a massive problem that honestly doesn't get the attention or the resources it deserves. But thankfully, in this episode, Dr. Bob Schutz, a psychologist, offers advice and a resource to heal your sexual brokenness. We also discussed if it's not healed, where sexual brokenness can lead. Dr. Bob shares a profound story of healing and transformation, just giving hope that healing here is possible. He even opens up about his own past struggles in this area. And we talk about how sexual brokenness is often passed down in families through generations. Super insightful conversation. So keep listening. Welcome to the Restored Podcast, helping you heal and grow from the trauma of your parents' divorce, separation, or broken marriage so you can feel whole again and break the cycle. I'm your host, Joey Panarelli. This is episode 99. This episode is part two of our podcast series called Healing Sexual Brokenness. So on this show, you probably know that we feature stories and expert interviews about how to heal from the trauma of your parents' divorce and broken family or how to navigate the pain and the problems that stem from it. And one of the biggest problems that often stems from your family's breakdown is unwanted sexual behavior like pornography, masturbation, hookup culture, paying for sex, infidelity, and so much more. In fact, one expert found that almost 90% of those who struggle with sexual addiction come from a broken family. And so in this series, you'll get tactics and resources to overcome unwanted sexual behavior so you can find freedom. A quick trigger warning, this is obviously a mature topic, so we recommend putting in earphones or at least not listening around children. With that, my guest today is Dr. Bob Schutz. Dr. Bob is the founder of the John Paul II Healing Center and is an internationally renowned speaker. He's the author of numerous books, including Be Restored, Healing Our Sexual Wounds Through Jesus' Merciful Love. Dr. Bob spent more than 30 years as a therapist while also teaching graduate and undergraduate courses in marriage and family relationships, human development, applied psychology, and marriage and family therapy. He held adjunct professor positions at Florida State University, Tallahassee Community College, and the Center for Biblical Studies in Tallahassee, Florida. He also taught courses at the Theology of the Body Institute and the Augustine Institute. So as you could probably tell in this episode, we talk about God and faith. And if you don't believe in God, you're totally welcome here. Anyone listening to the podcast for a while now knows that this is not a strictly religious podcast. So wherever you're at, I'm glad you're here. And if you don't believe in God, my challenge for you is this. Just listen with an open mind. Even if you skip or take out the God parts, you're still going to benefit a lot from this episode. So here's my conversation with Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob, welcome back. Hey, Joey, good to be be with you and uh, appreciate all that you're doing. You as well. And this is uh, a difficult topic to talk about, but it's so important. Uh, sexual brokenness is a huge problem. It's a heavy problem. And I don't want to discourage people at all um, by starting with this way, but um, rather to show the seriousness of it, I, I wanted to ask, do you have any stories that really demonstrate the the seriousness of this problem and where it can lead? Yeah, so many. And I think the the most horrific sexual brokenness I've seen is people coming out of ritual abuse or trafficking, uh, you know, just childhood sexual abuses, 
but you know just any kind of sexual brokenness is is really difficult and it gets to the core of the person i think that's what's so central about it i mean sexuality is such an intimate part of us and whether it's a sexual compulsion or a sexual wound or abuse or just even a psychosexual wound in our identity it just gets to the core of who we are and so that's why i think it's so essential that we address it but it's also why it's so difficult absolutely how big is this problem like there are there any statistics i'm not aware of uh, a lot of the statistics around this but are there any statistics to show like how many people are struggling with compulsions or addictions when it comes to sexuality i make a statement in my book be restored that every one of us has sexual brokenness every single one of us i think maybe the exception would be jesus and mary and probably joseph but you know we come into this world with what the church calls concupiscence which is a lust a, a, a disordered affections because of our broken relationships we have disordered affections and that leads us into sexual brokenness and sexual sin and so it's 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 endemic you know and if you think about well how many people have exposed to pornography as an example and it's outrageous the amount that have been exposed to hardcore pornography but all of us are exposed to pornography because pornography is a distortion of the image of human sexuality and you know it's in our it's in our conversations it's in our tv shows all the tv shows it's in our music it's in it, it's you know it's on billboards it's it's everywhere yeah and so we're all exposed to distortions of what's healthy uh, holy sexuality i couldn't agree more and you're right you know in years past before the internet and everything you had to seek it out a bit more it was still i think very pervasive and could be in your face whether it was finding at your grandparents house or you know your dad's stash of porn whatever yep. you know you've heard all the stories well and, experienced um, them too yeah right right yeah um and i know we're, we're going to get into that but now it's just like it, they're coming after you and, and not just them it's just yeah pornography is everywhere and our culture is very much so pornified yeah it, it's hard to watch even 20 30 years ago it's hard to watch a sitcom without there being pornography in the message in the in the humor into you know it's just there just so in, ingrained yeah absolutely i want to take a little bit of a detour for a second um, we have parents listening to this um especially who you know maybe are going through a divorce or who are just in a really difficult marriage and they might want to you know maybe they've seen some sexual brokenness in their marriage perhaps and they want to protect their kids they want to figure out like how do i guide my kids through this do you have any quick tips for them i know that's a longer conversation in itself but i've always heard it said you know i think matt fred says this it's not a matter of if but when your kids are exposed to pornography into this whole culture that we have so yeah any tips for them for you know guiding their children through this and helping really form them in being these like healthy whole people yeah i think the first thing is the the parents themselves doing their own healing work is really critical because you know i know when my children were teenagers and it was when when i was operating out of fear what you end up as communicating is shame to the kids or control rather than love and protection and so i think that's the critical thing is our own hearts and our own working through our own stories and then being able to have honest conversations 
that we have to be comfortable with to have those conversations and then to do them without shame. So even if a child gets exposed to something, the child's not shamed for it. There's enough shame in the exposure rather than the parents adding shame in that by their anger or criticism or condemnation of the child. And so it's it's really being there as a resource. And, you know, parents that's going through a hard time themselves are struggling to really be attentive to their child. And so I think that's really critical is, is working through your own struggles, whether it's past or present, so that you can be present and aware with your children and have good, honest conversation and to do it with respect and also with a good value about what healthy sexual uh, attitudes and behaviors and desires are. Beautiful. And I I think one something block for parents too is that they've made mistakes and they feel like, oh, well, I'm not really qualified to talk to my children about this. But I, I think that's an absolute lie. I think you there's a lot to learn from those mistakes and the way that you've changed your life, transformed your life. So that's why that portion is obviously so important. So you can be that healthy example. Yeah. Any anything you'd add there to parents who feel like, well, I'm just, you know, I have no right to speak about this. Yeah, that that's a good remedy for you to allow your children to make the same mistakes if you don't talk about it and you haven't worked through it. That's where the the healing is so important for the for the parent is to deal with the shame that they've experienced to, to gain some freedom in that area and recognize if they've done that, they do have a great authority to speak to their children because they can both have compassion for the child's struggle or exposure and have hope for the healing that can come through. The The problem becomes when the parent is still bound up in it and then they really feel unworthy in that area. And so that and then the parent needs to double down in their own healing at the same time, not neglect that. So every step of their own healing, they can bring into their parenting with with their children. That's helpful. And to anyone listening right now who isn't a parent, you can think forward to if you want to get married one day and have kids. That's why it's so important, so urgent to to work on this, to, yeah. to face this problem and to get resources to help you, which we're going to offer you in this show. There's so much more we could say there, but continuing on, um, I want to balance the seriousness and the, the despair in a way with hope because i think that's so important that's really key to overcoming any sort of sexual compulsion or addiction of course what's the most profound story of transformation that you've seen in this area and i'm sure you have multiple but what's one that comes to mind yeah it's hard it's been hard for me to think of a most profound because they're you know just every healing is profound and i can think of in so many different areas but what just came into my mind as you said that is a married couple that was the husband had been through multiple affairs from the time of uh, the wife losing a child. And his dad had a whole history of affairs, and he was just repeating it. And he really loved his wife and loved his children. But it got to the point where, you know, she was just so merciful and loving and compassionate towards him, even while she's going through her own brokenness. That, that, that was the amazing part, was just how much she was able to love him even as she was finding out about being betrayed. But then it got to a point where they both went through a lot of healing, and then it happened again. And when it happened again, it became a public issue. Uh, he was a public figure, and it was a public issue. And so she was so humiliated, and it was just like, okay, this is finally it. Like, you know, we've walked through all this healing and reconciliation, and and he's not free. And, and so 
she she was ready to leave. She was just in anger and unforgiveness. And she came in and we had a time, this is back when I was a therapist, we had a time when I prayed with her. And we went into this place of her heart that had experienced so much rejection and betrayal and hopelessness. And Jesus met her there, and I, I won't go into the details of this, but Jesus met her there in a way that just tr totally transformed her heart and the despair and the brokenness. And and she was able to then see her husband's brokenness with love rather than with hurt and anger. And it was just an amazing transformation that took place really literally in an hour. He then was able to experience a depth of healing through her love and mercy that allowed him then to get free. And I hear from him every year for the last 15 to 20 years about how beautiful their marriage is and they're enjoying their children and their grandchildren. And it was just so much at the end of their line, end of their rope, and just God intervened. And I'm not sure anything else would have helped other than a real encounter with those places of her heart that then he was able to experience that real deep encounter with Jesus' love and mercy and healing. Until you watch it, you don't believe it's possible. And, you know, it's just like you just see it happen before your eyes and see the transformation happen, go from hopelessness and despair and, and divorce to reconciliation and healing and love and hope and purity. I mean, you know, they have a good, holy marriage that there hasn't been any any hint of it since then. It's amazing. And we never hear stories like this in our culture. And there's people listening right now who are in that situation that you described, where there, maybe there's infidelity going on, or even if they're not married or in a relationship with that, maybe they're struggling with a sexual compulsion or addiction. And so hearing that it's possible is beyond hopeful. Yeah. And there's so much I want to say about that story. Uh, one is her heroism is incredible. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, it's such a beautiful example there. And I'm sure it was messy along the way and there's different oh. steps in the process, Yeah, but just so incredible. And that second fall is really interesting to me because I've seen this, especially in, you know, our world that, you know, people can have that profound transformation maybe when they're younger and then, you know, they, they are doing well in life. Like I've seen this with people that I know. And then, you know, everyone looks at them as this like person who has it all together and then they fall. And then there's an incredible amount of shame because it's like, well, I'm supposed to be this person. I feel like I'm that person most of the time, but then there's this like dark thing that I'm dealing with. And I think that can even be harder to overcome than the first time. And so, yeah, yeah what to those people struggling there, what in particular would you say to them who are just like buried in shame of like, man, I thought I overcame this and here I am again. Yeah, healing is often in stages. And so there can be freedom from a compulsion for a period of time. I, I tell in my book, Be Healed, about the story of John, where he had gotten free for three years and then fallen back after I had been in contact with him. And hmm. where it led him was into a deeper healing of a really deep wounds of abandonment in young childhood. And so always, if there's another fall, there's, you know, there's always the reality of sin and, and the weakness to sin, but there's usually a deeper area of woundedness that the fall is exposing. And that was the case with this particular man and, and the wife, but it's almost always there that behind our sexual compulsions are psychosexual wounds, our, our wounds of a rejection or abandonment, and we're trying to medicate them and we're trying to find fulfillment in a way that can never be fulfilled there. And so, you know, one of the things that I 
often say when we teach courses is behind every disordered desire, which uh, every sexual compulsion is disordered desire, is an un, uh, is a holy desire. That mm. is what's really the longing in the heart of that person. It's it's for something good, and that's one of the ways through the shame. What's the good that you are looking for there? Not that you whitewash the distortion, but you, you're you're identifying in your heart what you're really looking for. Behind every sort of desire is a holy desire, an unmet need, an unhealed wound, and a hidden pattern of sin. As underneath it. Wow. Yeah. And so when we're doing this work, you just can't stop with changing the behavior. That's why the healing is so important. The healing has to get down to those good desires the unmet needs of those desires, the unhealed wounds that keep those desires from being met, and the hidden pattern of sin, things like unresolved anger, envy, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, those kind of things. So good. And I think you've said this, and I know I've heard Jay Stringer say it as well, that you know if you've been having the same conversation with your accountability partner for the last 10 years, something's off like that there's you need we need to go deeper there than just putting yeah. in this software which again like th there's a oh, point to it helpful. it's helpful yeah it's a defense strategy but yeah it, it only goes so deep and so you need to go deeper and so that's why i love talking to you and the, your book and you know your whole ministry of course helping people to, to heal on a deep level yeah jay stringer's books really really good at getting into all those different levels that i just mentioned too and um and you quote him in your book too is yep. that right yeah yeah, and he's a part of the series too, which I'm so That's excited great. about as well. You both are just excellent. So, man, so much I want to talk to you about, and thanks for for touching on that because I think it is a, a real problem when people, you know, kind of go through these different stages again, and and they trip up, and we need to, you know, help lift them up and say like, hey, you know, you're still loved, and there's freedom ahead for you too. Yeah. And so, uh, I think it's an important message for a lot of people who are maybe a little bit further along. Yeah, okay, if I can if I can just reemphasize that there is always hope if you're willing to walk into it. When it becomes hopeless is when you want to stay in denial and back away from the reality and not bring it into the light. That's that's when it stays hopeless. But there's always hope, there's always transformation. I mean, I've I've watched it in my own family, uh just person after person having transformation in those areas and obviously over years in the ministry. It's just amazing what god can do if you give him an opportunity to do it beautiful one of the barriers i've seen just with you know people i've walked with in this area is that there's this level of attachment to this behavior right because it obviously it fills some sort of a need in a, in a fake unfulfilling yep. way but it like you said it it's there for a reason it's not random talk about that a little bit i, I think you know like obviously people there's people who just see this as like, okay, I don't want this in my life. We're talking about people like that. They, yep. they want to get it out of their life, yep. but they're really struggling. They have that genuine desire, but there is that like attachment that comes along where it's like, I don't really want to get rid of this. I don't really want to get it, or I really do, but I, I just I yep. feel so clung to it. Yeah. Any tips or advice for people wrestling with that right now? Well, again, it's a replacement attachment. Mm. All right. It's, it's trying to meet a deep place of lack of attachment. And that's often early in life. You know, it may not be a present day thing. It could be. That's the unmet need part. But there's often a place where the heart is separated from a healthy attachment uh, early on in life. And when that healthy attachment, you know, like within a divorce, when that healthy attachment's broken, 
then we look for artificial attachments. We look to something that's going to give us the pleasure, the fulfillment. Even the imagery is an indication of what that missing attachment is. And so, let's say with the issue of pornography, and and there's fantasy with pornography. What is the person fantasizing about? The fantasy is almost that's where the attachment is. Is in the fantasy, hmm. right? It's 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 also in the you know like the sexual release part of it, which cements the attachment. But it's it's the attachment itself is in the fantasy. And so, what's the fantasy about? And that if we'll listen to that without shaming that, uh, and that's how I've seen so many people heal, is as you walk into that it'll reveal where the unhealed wounds are where the where the broken attachments are and that's really where the gold is is going there which is often very painful and we don't want to do that but it's it's where the healing takes place at those early attachment areas or those young attachment areas it could be a broken relationship in dating or it could be a broken marriage relationship but it's often a broken parent child relationship where the deeper roots of that is and going there will help you let go of that you know grip that you have on this sort of behavior that makes so much sense yeah i mean there's still the there's still the ways in which the brain chemistry and everything there needs to be a fasting from to to let go of the the physical attachments but in terms of the psychological attachments and the emotional attachments that's what needs to take place Okay, no, that makes sense. It is helpful, I think, to think about this problem as a drug, because it very much so is a drug, and you can talk about the more competent than I am, but the way it changes your brain, like the neuroplasticity, all that stuff is it's fascinating. So it's, that's a good point that there's that physical, neurobiological component to it as well that, that needs to be dealt with too. Going back to kind of that attachment portion, it made me think of St. Augustine. What did he say when he's like, he asked God to help him, you know, to make him yes. pure, but yeah. not yet? Yeah, something not to that yet. Extent? yeah, yeah. Make me chase, but not yet, something like that. Yeah, and I, th I think a lot of people are there because it's like, well, yeah. I, I could see the value of this, but I, I don't really want to let go of this because it's somehow, you know, fulfilling some need in my life in a very horrible, poor way. So that makes sense. Everything you said, that's a great, those are great tactics. You mentioned that you've seen this play out personally for you and your family as well. So to whatever degree you're comfortable yeah. sharing, yeah, how have you struggled here and how have you found freedom? Well, I thankfully did not ever have a, a really intense sexual compulsion. What I experienced as a child was looking at Playboy without masturbation and fantasy. So it gave me enough of an understanding of the draw mm. without being bound up in it. I think, you know, when that's combined with masturbation and pornography and and fantasy, then it gets cemented. So I was in some ways spared of that. But even looking back at my history, I wasn't spared of sexual sin or spared of, you know, disordered desire. And so just walking through my own healing with that, you know, just recognizing how much looking at Playboy magazine as a child influenced the way that I looked at relationship with women and related to women and was afraid of women because of that, afraid of my own desires. You know, I, I was at one point really proud that the only person I've had sexual intimacy with is my wife. But there was a lot of denial under that because I had girlfriends that I had had sexual interactions with that wasn't intercourse, that wasn't being naked with each other. But it was, you know, really realizing that those had real impacts, you know, in eighth grade and in ninth grade uh, with with different girls. And even 
having sex with my wife before marriage had a real impact. You know, it was sexual sin. It was mm-hmm. it was a, a deviation from what was healthy in my sexuality and hers, even though I could justify it and say, well, at least I'm not like, you know, like the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, at least I'm not like everybody else who's just sexually promiscuous. That, that doesn't help at all. It doesn't help at all to compare yourself to somebody who's more so than you. What's very helpful is to look honestly at the places that your sexuality got twisted by the choices that you've made and the things that have happened to you. You know, there was also things that happened to me. There was uh, a basketball coach in eighth grade that tried to molest me, didn't succeed, but that that left an impact in terms of my trust levels. You know, it was right as my parents were going through a divorce. And as they were going through a divorce and I was losing my dad, this coach stepped in who had been around us as a family and took me on a camping trip with other basketball players and tried to climb in bed. He climbed in bed behind me when I was sleeping, pulled down my underwear and and tried to molest me. And, you know, again, that wasn't sexually traumatizing because he didn't, he didn't touch me sexually, but it was traumatizing to trust. It was traumatizing to my sexuality, those kind of things. And, and so wow. when you look and you look with eyes of, of, God, I want to really see and understand how my sexuality has been distorted. There's lots and lots of examples that we can find. And so it's never never helpful to say, well, I don't have any because I don't have this that another person has. Okay. No, I'm tracking with you. And while you've you've been through so much and just wanna yeah, just give you empathy for that. It's Thank I'm you. sorry for what you were through went through. And you can totally see how that would play out later in life, you know. Yeah. How I know for me you know, relating to what you said, I, you know, when my parents were going through a divorce, one of the byproducts was that my mom was just so occupied with running the house and just dealing with her marriage falling apart. And they had started the legal process that my siblings and I were kind of like, it was a free for all. Yeah. We were just like anywhere and everywhere and no one was watching over us. And yeah, I know that's not what my mom or my parents wanted, but that was just the reality of the situation. And so, um, yeah, just spending time with one of my sports buddies, my best friend at the time, he uh, showed me pornography, and and that started just like that. That one yep. instance started years of struggle and just needing to correct and heal. And so it's it's wild how you know everything leading up to that, the experience itself, and then everything that comes to it can be so impactful in your life. Yeah, yeah, you, you hear the connection there between. The place of broken attachment and the lack of supervision, and then something being introduced that brings a level of pleasure, mm-hmm. a level of hungering for something that's missing, and then the attachment to that. You know, it's just so easy. And, and I look at it from the standpoint of the planting of the evil one coming into the places of vulnerability. First of all, creating the vulnerability and then coming into those places of vulnerability. But let me tell you really wow. another really hopeful story that happened in my family. The fact that it's still unfolding. Actually, this weekend was a big part of this. This is just mm. this has brought some so much joy. So just as you described as you know, how when your parents were going through divorce, we were me and my older siblings were teenagers. The rest of the family were younger. But uh, my sister and brother in law, who are currently now sister and brother in law, they were dating back then. Uh, got pregnant, and the most painful thing in their life was they decided to give the baby up for adoption. They have pictures in the hospital of kissing the baby, 
went through tremendous pain through that. Well, 48 years later, this past two months ago, they found each other. And just this weekend was my brother-in-law's birthday. They went to their granddaughter, who they'd never met and didn't know, graduation, met the entire family, and the siblings finally met for the first time. So it's my brother and sister-in-law, before they were married, had this son. It was a closed adoption. And then their three children have been longing to meet their brother, but there was no way. And just God brought this miraculous togetherness. And Mm. so to see the pictures now of, again, the brokenness that was out of that period of time, and God's redemption in that, and the beauty of the restoration and the healing, and just how many people that affects. You know, it's like sexual choices that are out of order, even though they did the best they could to to remedy it, left pain in everybody's heart and longing in everybody's heart, including my mom who's still living and all of my brothers and sisters. We're all now in this joy where we've been living in this this pain, this separation from our son, brother, sister, you know, son, brother, nephew, grandson. And it's so beautiful to see it come back together. So everything is redemptive. Everything can be redeemed. Even if it feels hopeless in the moment. Even if wow. it feels hopeless in the moment. Wow, wow, wow. Gave me the chills. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm so happy for you and for your family. And yeah, I think maybe one thing that might be helpful too, you've already done this at a couple points in this interview, but it's kind of defining like healthy sexuality and freedom. So again, yeah. you've already done that, talking about that story a bit and the married couple that you told us about before. But maybe let's paint that picture for people, like where they we want them to head towards uh, what does that look like? Obviously, like I mentioned, there's freedom, there's self-mastery, but what does it look like when you are in that place of health and wholeness when it comes to your sexuality? Well, let's define it objectively first, and then subjectively will make sense in relation to that. So objectively, what's the purpose of sexuality? The purpose of sexuality is to express love within the context of marriage. And why within marriage? Because that's where it's protected. Because when sexual intimacy occurs outside of marriage, there's always a wounding that takes place with it, right? But within marriage, because it's meant for the the bonding of the the spouses and the fidelity of the spouses, things we take on our wedding vows, and the openness to life and children, that that kind of committed relationship is the only one that protects that level of intimacy and protects the vulnerability of children. Okay, And so the design of sexuality is to create a bond that lasts a lifetime so that children can grow up with two parents, male and a female, who are affectionately loving each other, and they could be then attached to in a healthy way without getting in between those two, because that disorders our sexuality. When one parent loves a child and the other one rejects them, or when one parent's there and another one's not, there's a distortion of our sexuality. Okay, You and I have both yeah. experienced that in our growing up on, with parents' divorce. But when that's there, you know, early part of my life, I don't know if your life was like this early on, but I had both parents present, loving us together and loving each other before all things started falling apart. And there's healthy attachment there. When that attachment breaks, there's a ripping apart of the heart. There's literally a broken heart, which I know you dedicated your 
career to to helping heal that uh, i have also and because we know the we know the pain of that it's in there that unhealthy sexuality comes into play which is us trying to find attachment and pleasure and connection in ways that don't have that protection associated with it so it's it's ways that create more pain and more brokenness in relationship rather than heal the brokenness and heal the pain and so subjectively mm. well we get attached to to sexual pleasure in ways that don't build sexual safety sexual intimacy sexual uh, protection and healthy psychosexual development and that's where the whole culture you look you see the whole culture if you want to identify one thing in the culture that's wrong that's it and it's as we lose sight of who god is we lose sight of who we are and how god made us and his commands aren't burdens they're protection you know mm. what we knew back before all the sexual re revolution about what god intended for families and sexuality and marriage was not a punishment or a restriction it was a protection it was a grace it was a gift and we all know that now by experience because we're living in the brokenness of the destruction of that the distortion of that wow we should just do another podcast on that topic yeah. <laughs> it's incredible it's it, no it makes so much sense and i think it's so helpful to you know kind of see that picture of you know what it's supposed to look like and the freedom it's supposed to bring and the fact that you have you know self-mastery over your desires where you know if you feel a desire towards you know for example in marriage if you know i feel a desire towards someone who's not my wife like i can say no to that yeah. but there's freedom there if you know i i don't know see something online and i might be tempted to it i could say no to that so that's one one thing i think it looks like practically but i, I think it's so helpful because we see like sexual I don't know, I guess brokenness is the way we're calling it, or dysfunction, like the opposite of wholeness and health in this area all over. You know, we, we've been talking about pornography, we've been talking about, you know, masturbation a bit, but it also looks like paying for sex. It also looks like affairs. It looks like there's so many trends online right now with young people, especially um, whether it's, you know, women basically selling their bodies or all the webcam stuff. Like there, there's so many flavors of this dysfunction that play out. And you can just see, like you said, the broken heart at the core of it. Like, what I think of too, with a lot of women who are, you know, not in pornography professionally, but they're doing it at some sort of an amateur level. It, I think they just want to be seen. Like there's certainly more to it, mm -hmm. but it's like, I think they want to feel wanted. Yep. And I know for me too, like on the male side, it's like so much of my struggle in the past when it came to lust, whether it was pornography or other sexual sins was really just an attempt to feel wanted. Cause I just, when my parents, you know, marriage broke apart, our family broke apart, um, I just, I felt so unwanted. That's like the major thing. There were other experiences and feelings I had too, but that was like the major thing for me. And so, like yeah. you said, it was kind of that um, substitute that I went to that ultimately just left me emptier. Yeah. As as I looked at that in my own life, it was also the desire to be comforted, you know, that, that comforting feminine nurture. And so those things like being wanted, being desired, being uh, connected, being comforted all of those are basic human desires and if those aren't met then we're going to look for them in another way and that's where we lose self-mastery is because you know self-mastery comes from security maturity and purity uh, you know when we have the security of being loved the maturity of learning how 
to live in a healthy love, and then that brings purity. And when that's missing, when that security is missing, then the maturity is missing, and then the purity is missing, and self-mastery then becomes a struggle because there's something stronger than my desire to live according to the way that I know is healthy for me and everybody around me. There's a drive, there's a compulsion. That's where the word compulsion comes from. It's, it's compelling. It's a compelling, unmet need and desire. I could talk to you forever, Dr. Bob. <laughs> you probably keep moving. Um, I have so many questions I want to ask, but uh, what are some practical steps that people can take to, to heal their sexual brokenness? You've touched on this a bit already, but I'm curious what kind of, if there were like these steps you want people to take. Um, and, and let's focus maybe primarily on the first step. Like if people are listening right now, when this podcast is over, what can they do today um, in addition to the other steps? It might be book be restored i don't want to be simplistic with it but my book be restored i really take people from beginning to end and so i think the first thing that i start in chapter one is looking at your history and you may not be ready to look at your whole history but just look at just being honest sitting down and being honest and saying okay here is where i have sexual brokenness there's nothing like bringing things out into the light and if you're a person of faith to to bring that in prayer to bring that to confession to bring that to, uh, even if you're not a person of faith, to bring that into a relationship where you know somebody, whether it's a support group or whether it's just friends that you know that you can be real with and honest with and just share, okay, this is what I'm looking at. This is what I'm facing. But I would just say the way that I outline Be Restored, uh, which is uh, healing our sexual brokenness, is a kind of a process approach to step by step, and it, and it looks at each of those areas that I identified, which is the holy desires, the disordered desires, the unmet needs, the unhealed wounds, and the hidden patterns of sin, and then gives them kind of a, a whole series of prayer experiences of how to pray through and work through those. There's also our a podcast where we have a series on healing sexual wounds and also healing a marriage. Both of those would be good things for people to turn to. It's Restore the Glory uh, podcast. And then I'd say the other thing practically is just be honest with yourself without shame. Without there, There's natural shame. There's natural shame that's going to come up, but not condemning yourself. You know, and again, this is where faith comes in so important. You know, so many people have experienced religious practices as a condemning rather than who Jesus is, which is the one who looked at the the woman caught in adultery and says, does no one, you know, he who has no sin, throw the first stone, and they all walk away. And then he says, woman, has no one condemned you, neither do I condemn you. No one sin no more. And, and to be able to have that, that understanding that the God of the universe, who is the one who could condemn me the most, is the one who loves me the most, in the person of Jesus, and looks at me and says, I don't condemn you. I see you. I see your goodness. There's potential beyond this brokenness. I've created you for more, and I'm going to help you get there. That's that's true faith. The rest of it is just creates more shame, and it's not helpful. So good. I love that challenge, though, to start with your history, and I think that's something we all can do, and it might be hard, and you know, if it is overwhelming, I know I've heard you say this elsewhere to, you know, take a break and you can come back to it and 
at the end, maybe I'll lay out a little bit of a, an exercise based on your book um, that people can use. Because yeah, again, I think getting started can be the hardest part. But once you get started, uh, especially if you find people who can walk with you, can love you through it, because healing always takes place in relationship. That's what I've noticed. Yeah. Is that um, you know, th- there's incredible freedom ahead, like you keep saying. SAA is one one organization. Uh, there's there's others that uh, can can walk with you if you don't have anybody that's at a friendship level or a counselor level. Okay. And we'll make sure to link all to all of this um, in the show notes, guys, just to make sure you have access to Dr. Bob's podcast, to the book, of course, to the, um, yeah, Sexaholics um, Anonymous, if I'm getting the right yep. groups, and that uh, that would be a great resource as well. So there's so much um, more we can say here. I did want to make note, though, you said this rightly, I'm such a tactical person. So I want to know, like, give me the five steps to do. <laughs> it's like, well, it's not exactly how healing works. And it's, so it's not exactly linear. Some of the defense strategies can be lin- linear, like, you know, put the software on your computer, yep. you know, yep. find an accountability partner. And I think that's good. But when it comes to that, the actual deep healing, I think it is important to recognize it's not always linear. It doesn't always look the same for everyone, but there are principles and tools you can use. Um, any comments on that before we move forward? No, I, I, I think the the uh, the principles come as you go on the journey, and those are really helpful f- guideposts. And and again, I I think there are those who need very practical things, and those are helpful. But for me, it's it's not the steps that bring the healing; it's the relationship that brings the healing, and then the steps can flow out of the relationship. I love that relationship with God and relationship with somebody that you trust that you can be real with and then being honest. Yeah, I love that. And I think another challenge here and what I hear you saying, which has been helpful for me, even in other areas of my life, not just this area of like sexual self-mastery is, um, yeah, having someone in your life who just knows everything about you, yeah. who there's no filter around. And, you know, for me, my spiritual director is someone who yeah. I'm like very, very open with. It's like, I can tell him anything and he'll love me through it and guide me. And, and that's just like, so for and there's other people in my life too, but that's just one I wanted to mention. Yeah, that's big. Huge. Yeah, for me too. I love that. And um, before the end of our time here, I'm curious, one trend I've noticed in this ministry in serving you know, young people who come from broken families, typically teenagers and young adults, but even some older people as well who I've mentored or spoke with, that there's this trend of sexual brokenness passing through generations and and it's quite mind-blowing honestly if you haven't thought about this or seen it but it's like you look back kind of at that history going beyond your personal history it's like wow like i've seen this in my family i've seen this here and there it's mind-blowing it's it's profound and so what's happening there and is there anything else that we can do in those cases in particular to what you already mentioned just at a personal level when i looked at my family history on my dad's side there were generations upon generations of men who were alcoholic who left their family and had an affair. And it was like, oh, God. And at first it was overwhelming. It was like, oh, no, you know, like this pattern of set up. But it actually was the opposite. It was this realization of this is what could happen if you don't tend to the process of healing. But now we're setting up generations in the opposite direction, and not just in my family, but in my brothers and sisters' family. So all this sexual brokenness that's come down, now there's these patterns of healing and patterns of wholeness, not perfect, but certainly beautiful, see the the reversal of that pattern. And so I would give that hope, is that a generational pattern is not a destiny. It's just only if we're blind to it, 
but it is very often, and it's because of not only the example, but it's the spiritual influence that's passed down through the generations, and it's also the lack of connection and communion, the healthy bonds that are, the lack of those are passed down through the generations. And so we just continue to repeat the same brokenness if we don't stop and deal with it. And that's what why starting the conversation with the parents. As a parent, that's by far the best thing you can do is walk through and heal your own brokenness, because what you're going to pass on to your children is a heritage of love rather than a heritage of sexual brokenness. And don't we all want that? You know, don't we all want our kids to have a better life? Even again, there's a lot of young people who aren't married and maybe they kind of see that out in the future. But I mean, we all want better for our kids than yep. we maybe had ourselves. And so if that's the motivation you need, it's the best motivation. Trying to fix it in your kids won't work if you haven't dealt with it in your own heart. So true. How can people buy the book and find the rest of your resources online? Our website's johnpaulthesecondhealingcenter.org, uh, jpiihealingcenter.org, all small letters. It's also available lots of other places, but if they buy it through us, it helps support the ministry. We'll make sure to, to link to that. And Dr. Bob, thank you so much for your time. For Yeah, your vulnerability, honestly. There's people out there who maybe have the professional background that you do, but I think there's something so profound in the way that you speak so freely about what you've been through. And I always have admired that about you. So thank you so much. I've learned thank so much you. from you. I've used your resources to help in my own healing journey and the young people that we serve. And like you said, we're all about breaking that cycle of dysfunction in our own lives. And we want to help people to, to do that. So you're, you're doing that so well. And I, I really admire you. So thank you for your time. I wanted to give you the last word. What final advice or encouragement would you offer to everyone listening, especially those people listening right now who feel stuck and hopeless due to their sexual brokenness? I wish I had what you're offering, Joey, when I was a teenager, a young person. So I just that's the encouragement is, I think if they're tuned in, they're, they're getting a, such incredible help at a place of honest, uh, vulnerable, real, and it's so encouraging. So I just just take advantage of it. Just uh, that's what I would say. Just take advantage of the, the the other podcasts, the people that you've had on. You've had on great people that are really knowledgeable and have seen tremendous growth and healing. And so, just to listen and to believe it, and to put it into practice, and to put the resources into practice. Like I mentioned, I wanted to offer a quick exercise or challenge that you can do that's just three steps. The first step is really just to look at yourself. Where are you sexually broken? Where are you sexually broken? Just write that down. You can probably finish that in two to three minutes. You're likely very aware of where you're broken in this area. The next step is to look at your history. Reflect on and write down the different events, people, and decisions that brought you to where you are today and struggling with unwanted sexual behavior. And once you have that list, which by the way, does not need to be perfect, you can even create a timeline of sorts if you want to. That's an optional part of it. And that'll probably take you about 20 to 30 minutes. And then the final step, which is probably the scariest, is to bring all of that that you've reflected on into a safe relationship with a mentor, a friend in your relationship with God, 
whatever. And if you're not ready for that, that's okay. Just start with the first two steps. But this exercise will take some time. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to take some time. But like Dr. Bob said, it's really the first step if you want healing. You need to reflect deeper on how you got to where you are today so you can begin to break free. And if you need it, by the way, if things get too intense during this exercise, make sure to take a break, take a breather. And then also, if you're busy right now, let's say you can't do this for a few days, just so you don't forget, make sure to put it in your calendar. Again, schedule 30, maybe 45 minutes. 30 minutes should be enough in the next week for you to do this. Again, those three steps are just write down where you're sexually broken. The next one is write down the different events, people, or decisions that contributed to your sexual brokenness. And then finally, share that with a friend or a mentor. So often at the root of sexual compulsion or brokenness is trauma. But before you can heal it, you really have to understand it. And so I'm excited to offer a new free mini course on trauma titled Why You Feel Broken. That just consists of five short videos by a trauma therapist who answers the questions, what is trauma? What impact does it have on your body? How does it affect your emotions? What does it do to your mind? And how does it impact your relationships. Again, once you understand what trauma is and how it's affecting you today, then you can begin to heal and build the life that you long for. And so to get the free mini course, it's really easy. Just go to restoredministry.com slash broken. Again, restored ministry, ministry is singular, dot com slash broken. You can sign up for free and then begin watching the mini course. Again, go to restoredministry.com slash broken or just click on the link in the show notes. That wraps up this episode. If you know someone who's struggling from their parents' divorce or broken marriage, share this podcast with them. And always remember, you are not alone. We're here to help you feel whole again and break the cycle of dysfunction and divorce in your own life. 